Number one, make sure your savings are not being depleted right now. Add to your savings. Set a goal on what the amount of savings you should have is and then try to meet that goal. Um, Number two, keep your credit card debt low. Now, I could say this at the top of a booming economy or at the depths of a recession and it would be just as valid. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach, starring Jake and Jeff McClure. That, that is our 1950s radio voices, because we can. We do that so that you know that we're exciting, because we tell you so. Even right. though we're economists, we're bald and bearded, and generally speaking, children will run screaming from the room at the sound of our voices. That is exciting in well, itself, I suppose. that is not actually true. Uh, my own children will say, Mama, can we listen to the radio? And they'll, she'll turn it on, and it'll go for about 10 seconds, and they say, okay, that's enough, turn it off. Well, <laughs> your children are relatively young, and they have short attention spans. My children... One of my children listens to this entire program every week. We didn't actually say the age of the children, did we? Because technically, no. I am your child, even though I'm an you adult. You are, Ex- exactly. So, and you, you listen, to the best of my understanding, every week without fail, you listen to the entire program. I'm, I'm not really paying attention, though. That's the whole thing. That's why I, I got it. What did you just say? I wasn't mm. paying attention. This is Jake Eh? and Jeff, and we're here to talk about economics and whether or not children enjoy it. Right. He's not actually Jeff. I'm Jeff. Correct. You are correct in that uh, we do not have any form of reversed identities today. Right. And we are also the principals at a SEC registered investment advisory firm. Not that the SEC approves or disapproves of anything we're doing, but it's just where we're registered. And not uh, that the advisory firm gives advice on the air because we can't right. for lots of but reasons. But the, the name of the investment advisory firm that is registered with the SEC, United States Securities and Exchange Commission, is the Personal Wealth Coach. And it also happens to be the name of this radio program. It is not a coincidence. However... Do not confuse the two, because we're going to be giving information, educational information on this radio program. And the educational information we give on this radio program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. We do, however, guarantee that anything we don't say is incomplete. There, see that whole blank spot that we had in the air right there? That was an incomplete something. Yeah. Uh, well, so there's a guarantee yeah. on that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we make a warranty and guarantee as to the accuracy of the incompleteness of dead air. Yes, the it is 100% accurately incomplete. And anyone who actually started off listening to the program has now left. Yes, we have now successfully chased away all the children and back to those of you that are old fuddy-duddies like us, uh, though not necessarily bald and bearded. Oh, cool. Well, did we get a... Oh, we don't pay for the radio program. That's the last one, We don't one, pay yeah. KTEM, and KTEM doesn't pay us. We do advertise on KTEM, but, Senator, there is no quid pro quo because the advertising we do on KTEM is mainly... Well, it is exclusively for the radio program. 
we do receive a benefit from the radio program in that our clients apparently listen to it because they comment on it. That I don't, We don't know what that says about the sanity no. of our clients, but they do comment on it. Just, I, I, I am saddened in some portion of my being that our clients have nothing better to do than to listen to us talk. But at some point, I have to agree that this is a good thing because it does indirectly lead to our better financial well-being. They do. They do our better. They do our better. Yes. Oh, okay. I, I'm, I'm getting into the legal that. legal jargon here. They do Good. our better. All right. So, well, okay. what happened this week in the market? It was an interesting week. Uh, some weeks the market is sort of boring. Some weeks it's sort of exciting, and some weeks it's just stupid. This was in the latter category, um, and we've seen. I've seen this before. We've seen this before. When the United States, when when the Federal Reserve says we pumped a bunch of juice into the economy and we're going to pull some of the juice out that we pumped into the economy. That's metaphor, by the way, although it is liquidity and liquidity equates to juices. So it maybe it works. Um, then we get what were once called taper tantrums. And it boils down to the fact that when the Federal Reserve says determines that they're going to raise interest rates or in this, this particular case, uh, shrink their balance sheet which is even more weird than most of the things they do. Uh, there are traders who bolt for the door uh, and sell, 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 because there's an old saying, don't fight the Fed. However, as in almost everything else in the economy right now, the macro economy, the traditional signals don't mean what they normally mean because we've got a lot of weird stuff going on outside the economy that's affecting what happens inside the economy instead of the economy just being feedback on itself. And that's very complex, and we can talk about that for three hours. Anyway, so the market, uh, the stock market, fell. the S&P 500 stock index fell 3.29%. And for those who keep up with numbers, it's 39.24.26. It's now down 18%, just over 18% from its high right at the beginning of January, but it's up 7% from its low point in mid-June. Uh, it's down about 13.5% from this time last year, but up. And this is the important thing. If you're an investor, you see the entire process or should see the entire process one way. If you are a speculator, a trader, who are the people who drive the day-to-day -day movements of the market, you see it quite differently. And, and if you're a speculator at heart and don't know it, um, then you're really concerned about the fact the market is down teens, 13% this year. Um, so 18% this year, uh, the stock market, the S&P 500. On the other hand, if you're an investor, the very minimum time horizon, and I mean minimum, minimum time horizon, an investor should have is three years. And the S&P 500 is up 38.12% over the last three years. So for investors, this is no big thing. For speculators, traders, or people who don't understand what's going on in the market, this is a big thing. Um, so that's where it is. Now, we follow another index, and it's the CRSP mid-cap value index. Why mid-cap value? Because mid-cap value is very different in it, from large-cap growth and large-cap growth companies, the big companies that are priced in the stock market based on what investors or speculators believe is their potential for growth in the, in, into the future. Uh, our, value is a completely different thing. Value is people look at a company and say, if I were to buy that company, the whole company, and I can somehow do so without affecting the market price as I put the money in, 
how much would it be worth? Divide that number by the number of shares that are outstanding, and that's what a fair share price should be. And if the price is below that, it's called at or below that number, it's called a value stock because people are purchasing it because if they could buy the entire company at that price, it would be a bargain. And smaller companies, mid-cap value, mid-cap, mid-capitalization companies are very different from large-cap companies. So let's, the mid-cap value index is another measure of what's going on in the stock market. And we like that index because that's an area of the market that we kind of like. Um so the CRSP U.S. Mid-Cap Value Index closed at 2325.44. It was down 2.83% for the week. It's down 10.47% from its high in January. Notice that the S&P 500 is down 18. The value, Mid-Cap Value Index is down about 10, but it's up 7% from its bottom in June. Uh, and we could go on about that for a while, too. The 10-year the U.S. Treasury note has a yield. And it is considered the benchmark for other loans and interest rates in the United States. Uh, it rose about 5% to 3.2%. And considering that not that long ago, it was less, way less than 1%, that's a big increase. As a matter of fact, it's up for this year. It has doubled the interest rates on the 10-year Treasury. But the two-year yield... The two-year U.S. Treasury yield was at 3.44. Okay, so the two-year yield is at 3.44%. The 10-year yield is at 3.2%. That's goofy. That's what we call an inverted yield curve. What is an inverted yield curve? When shorter duration, shorter time maturity treasuries are yielding a higher interest rate than longer-term maturity treasuries, that's called an inverted yield curve. Things are upside down. But it's an interesting inversion we have. Because if you go out to 20 years, the treasury bond out there is now yielding 3.61%. So if you went from the 2 to 20 years and you look at it and you just look at those two, say, oh, good, solid, positive yield curve. But if you go to the 10, oh, it's lower. We have a yield curve with a dip in the middle. Now, what does that mean? I don't know, and neither does anybody else. Uh, frankly, we are in weird times. We are in a situation where all the rules of thumb you hear about the markets and interest rates and things of that ilk are based on what we call a steady state economy. In other words, the economy is feeding back on itself and it is driving itself and there's no huge external event causing things to be weird. Right now, we had, had, we had a huge external event and the whiplash, the echoes, the repercussions of that event are still with us, which is the pandemic that caused the lockdowns in 2020. Um, but the external events continue to flow. China is locking down again because they still are having fits with COVID. Uh, we chose to handle it one way. They chose to handle it another way. And so far, I think our way is working a lot better. I've liked night and day better. Um, Russia, in case you haven't noticed, invaded Ukraine and really screwed up the price of oil and logistics and everything else. And all of this is going on simultaneously. Europe is probably slipping into, I say probably, it's, it's approaching certainty at this point, slipping into a pretty nasty recession, primarily because of Russia's invasion of Ukraine and, and the fact that oil and gas have been cut off to Europe by Russia. Not just the invasion of Ukraine, but the... the absolute trade war that's going on between the rest of the world and Russia. It's affecting Europe far more than the rest of the world. Sure. Russia is still being hurt more than Europe, but Europe's definitely feeling it. 
Go ahead. Sorry. And, and then China, China is the second largest economy in the world. I know some people say, well, it's really large. No, it's not. It's not. But, but China is a big, it's the second largest economy in the world. And it is in a world of hurt. And we don't know exactly what's going on in China because they play with the data just like they do coming out of Russia. You can't, if, if, if data comes out of, official data comes out of China or Russia, you may rest assured it has been falsified. I mean, you can say that with a great deal of confidence. Um, and they're in a world of hurt. And they do a lot of business with the United States. They supply things that we put together to make final products. We buy things from them. They buy things from us. Uh, they're a huge trading partner. Uh, and, and so we've got a lot of external things going on in the world. So what happens with all these external things going on is the normal internal signals that say when A happens, then B will follow. Not necessarily true. Uh, so we're in, to use a, a probably overused metaphor, uncharted waters, and we're churning along. The price of oil, this is what's interesting. There is a critical petroleum energy shortage in a big chunk of the world right now because of Russia's issues. The price of oil, West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil, dropped to $87.06 a barrel. Now, that may not mean anything to you, but prior to Russia's invasion, there was a consensus among the people who forecast oil prices uh, that in this summer, oil would be around $100 a barrel. We're at the end of the summer when prices are normally high for oil, we're going into the Labor Day weekend when prices are normally high for oil and gasoline, and they're coming down. Now, why is that happening? Basically, because China is locking down, so they're not using as much oil. Europe is going into recession, so they're not using as much oil. Actually, they can't get the oil to use. Um, and the end result is the price of gasoline in wherever you are has, come, has been lower. We are definitely in a global economy, folks. And that's, we're far more in a global economy than we've ever been. So what happens in Europe, what happens in China has a direct impact on what happens in your finances. And this is, this is one of those things that's hard to get our minds wrapped around that. We can't ignore it. We can't walk away from it. We're just in it. And that was the wrap up in the markets. We've talked about a lot of stuff. We will be talking about some more stuff in a few moments. Uh, we've talked about Almost everything but personal finance. The personal finance has only been for those high net worth folks that might be considered accredited. So do you mind if we talk some on personal finance and what people should do in good economies my, or bad? And my mother said I almost never minded. So I guess I, I don't mind. So never mind. Uh, right. I've got some things. I'm sure you've got some things on the subject. And I wanted to be... Uh, you know, there's a lot of discussion about whether or not we're going into a recession. Europe's going into a recession. China's going into a recession. What's going on here? What can we do about it? What do you do if you expect to be going into a recession? I suspect most people have a pretty good idea to begin with. Number one, make sure your savings are not being depleted right now. Add to your savings. Set a goal on what the amount of savings you should have is and then try to meet that goal um, number two keep your credit card debt low now i could say this at the top of a booming economy or at the depths of a recession and it would be just as valid make sure your savings that means the cash available to you for an emergency in the bank are set to healthy numbers that if you 
just if you don't have enough and your credit card's too high, this is hard, but decrease your spending or increase your spending on education. Because you need to get to a point where you either are living within your means or your means are growing fast enough to keep up. I prefer to live within your means and then grow your means. That means while you're going to medical school, don't act like you're already getting doctor pay. Um, And if you've got a, a tough situation going where you just don't have the money available to increase your means to get better education, that's where healthy loans come in. If you have, if you're in a place where you can live within your means, then make sure your savings are healthy and make sure you paid down your credit card debt. Those, those two things really, really, and you know, this is not, doesn't take any special education to learn this part. If you get those two things under control so that your debt levels sustainable and not likely to leap up and bite you at, at a time when your income is hurt and your savings are good so that when the emergency happens, not if Murphy's listening, if you say, Oh, we don't need this the emergency's not happened in the last decade. That's when the emergency is going to hit. So maintain that. This is important when you're doing well, don't spend it all. Keep some for when you're not doing so well. If it winds up that you do well your whole life, then you'll have comfortable savings the whole time. It didn't hurt you a bit. If, if you don't wind up doing well your whole life, then you'll, your future self will thank your now self for being forward thinking. If we turn around and have a booming economy for the next decade, you didn't hurt yourself by preparing for a downturn. So and this is something I tell people across the board. I've got clients that are into prepping for when all the electricity gets turned off and stays off. And what I tell them is, as long as the preparations you're making do not hurt your quality of life today, it doesn't hurt you long-term to prep for that stuff. As soon as you're buying things that you would never have purchased before and you will get no use out of unless the apocalypse occurs... That's when you're hurting yourself. You should be able to find a use for anything that you're buying in preparation for a downturn, even when there's not a downturn. So be healthy about that. Don't go overboard and spend money that isn't actually protecting you on something that you won't be able to use. So those are the don'ts. On the do's, get your savings up, get your debt down, live within your means. If possible... Look around and say, are things on sale today, whether that's an investment or food, and and bulk up when they're on sale, making sure that it's something you would buy if it were not on sale. (laughs) Don't buy something just because it's on sale. Make sure you needed it. And that's true in your investment portfolio. If things are on sale, they are right now across the great part of the market. If things are on sale and they're in line with what you would already be spending money on for your investment or for your consumption, then get extra. And if it's not on sale, then follow your budget. Say, I only have this much to spend. It's something I would spend on anyway. It's not on sale, but I'm going to buy it anyway. I realize that I'm speaking in the ultra unsophisticated level now. We've been talking about all this crazy macro stuff and what is GDP versus GDI and the equation and what are the variables on it. When we break down 
the foundation of finance to income and expense. That's what we're talking about with GDI and GDP. If your income is up, but your production is down, save that income. Make sure that you have excess. I'm going to hand it back to you because I bet you've got some stuff to add to this conversation. There's, there's a couple of things that are very important. One, you said it. We're in good times right now. And I've said this again and again and again. We are in a secular bull market. We technically are in a, a cyclical, maybe not cyclical, but we're in a bear market right now. And I hope you're still investing. I hope if you are not retired, that you're putting money away on a regular basis. What Jake said is absolutely true. Having a good cash reserve, months of living expenses rather than weeks or days is critical. Another thing is critical though, and it doesn't take a big decision to do this. And that is if you are not already drawing income from your portfolio, that you'd be investing for the long term on a consistent basis, not trying to time the market, not trying to say, well, I need to be conservative because you don't. Uh, if you, if you're, if you, you, or you know somebody or you got kids or whatever that are younger, ask them the question, are you putting money into your 401k or your TSP or your IRA monthly on a regular basis and a pretty significant amount every month. I'm still surprised at the number of people who aren't doing it. And I've been at this a long time now, and I can say that I literally know people who 30 or 40 years ago were putting away $200 a month into their IRA or what, well, you couldn't do an IRA that much at the time, but they're putting away $200 a month. And they increased that as their financial situation improved, who are today millionaires who are financially independent and uh, they didn't get a big inheritance. They didn't have a big windfall of some kind. They just got there the old fashioned way by, of course, $200 was a lot more 40 years ago than it is today because of inflation. But they consistently put away money every month into their investment accounts. They consistently, in many cases, stayed at a job that wasn't the most pleasant job in the world because it offered a good retirement program. And today they're really happy, well-off people. And then I know, and then I can, I don't have, we don't have any of them as clients, at least not very many, but you can go to HEB and see older people who are putting groceries in bags. They're not doing it because they don't have anything better to do, I'll assure you. Some of them might be, some of them might enjoy it, but probably not very many. (laughs) Yeah, on their feet all day because they just wanted to put groceries in bags all day. It's, it's, how many times we've had to say this, but it's true. And we're out of time for today. Uh, If you would like to talk to us off the air, we actually do give personalized, customized investment advice at a fiduciary level for people that are generally higher net worth. Uh, Our uh, contact information locally, you can call us and get voicemail during the weekend, but we don't have a phone tree. We have real live people during the week. You can reach us locally at 254-947-1111. Or 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. Presuming you still have a landline, which is getting to be quite a presumption. Uh, You can also go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com, where you can look at our newsletters going back lots of years. You can sign up for the newsletter and get it every week as it comes out. 
You can listen to our radio program going back lots of years as well. You can find our podcasts anywhere where podcasts are provided. They're generally a lot shorter than the whole two-hour program. Uh, you can contact us through the contact form on our webpage or directly through email at jeff at tpwc.com and jake at tpwc.com. Until next week, this has been the Personal Wealth Coach. Thank you for listening.